0: Connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message.
1: Today, uh, I'm excited because I'm kicking off a brand new series entitled, Who I Want to Be. And uh, over the next several weeks, we're going to be working through this idea of who we want to be. You're going to hear me and some other uh, of the pastors here at the church speaking on this. And uh, the idea behind the entire series is this. Uh, what's one characteristic one attribute something that you really desire to have in your life maybe something that you feel like you should pursue something that that should be fundamental uh, in your walk with christ and not only that Not only do you want it, and you want a large dose of it, but you desire that for everybody in the church. And so we're going to be sharing this with you over the next several weeks, and I get to kick the series off today, so I'm excited about doing that. So I want to share with you, uh, actually, the scripture that I'm going to take you to right off the bat is Revelation chapter 3. So if you have the Word of God with you, if you have your device... Go ahead and head over to Revelation chapter 3. Uh, We're going to start in verse 15. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We've got guys that will come up and down the aisle. They'll hand you one. If you don't have one, it is our gift to you. Put your name in it. Head over to Revelation chapter 3. If you are on the MVF Colorado app, you can actually just hit the Bible Uh, module on the app. It'll it'll show you the passages that we're covering today in order. So that's an easy way to pull them up as well so that you're there and ready to read along with us. Now today I'm talking about who I want to be and I want to tell you just right up front where I'm going. I'm not hiding this. This is not a secret. I don't want you guessing. I want you to know right where I'm headed today. So here's the whole bottom line. Who I want to be is I want to be somebody who loves Jesus. And I know you might hear that right off the bat and go, well, that's pretty easy. I mean, it's a fundamental. Yes, it's fundamental, but it's harder than what we uh, understand many times. See, I I am speaking from experience today because I spent a large part of my youth and into my young adulthood uh, really thinking that I was serving Christ, uh, just passionate about about him and his work and, and missions and things like that. But honestly, here's what I found out as I got older I was doing it out of ritual. It became a routine for me. And what I found out is, is years into it, that that routine had led to something that just felt like it was meaningless. It didn't, it didn't mean anything to me, and I was just going through the motions. I don't know if you've ever been there, but maybe you're there right now. But if you've gone through something like that, or if you're experiencing that right now, and it just feels like God is far from you, and you're like, look, I, I feel like I'm doing all the right things, but I don't seem to be close to God. I want you to know there's several things that can cause that. One reason is that we're not pursuing Christ at all, but another reason is that we're pursuing the same experience with Christ. Many of us do this. I see this in in Christians all the time. Like we we come to Christ, we have this amazing transformation, or maybe it's the moment we're baptized, or maybe it was a moment in in an amazing worship service like this morning, and we just felt close to God. And so we find ourselves in our walk with Christ trying to recreate that same experience all over again. And what's interesting about that is we don't do that in any other relationship in life. Like even with my spouse. We might on our anniversary go back to a special restaurant where we had an anniversary one time or we had a date or whatever, but we're not trying to recreate the same experience all over again. It's not like we go in and we go, we want that table, you're going to sit here, I'm going to sit here, we're going to order the same food, have the same drinks and experience the same thing all over again. See, in relationships, we're looking for new experiences. Why? Because new experiences are signs of a growing uh, and a meaningful relationship one that's not stagnant. Uh, In Revelation chapter 3, John is actually writing this. He's a prisoner on the island of Patmos, and he's writing this. It's actually a prophetic book he's writing prophecy talking about uh you know god speaking to certain churches and he's going down the list and we get to uh this church called laodicea in chapter three and god is giving some instructions to this church and for many of the churches he he encourages them on one side and then he he criticizes them or uh convicts them on the other side and in in this church in laodicea i want you to see what he has to say about these people in this church this is what he says I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will what? I will what? I will spit you out of my mouth. He's saying, look, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're just lukewarm, and because of that, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth, which means it is not acceptable to God. So I would say it this way, lukewarm living is not Christian living. That's not what God desires from us. And actually, he has a better plan for us. And I think even based upon this and other other things that we see in Scripture, I can make this statement and make it pretty confident. It's a strong statement, but I would say it this way. There's no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. And I know some of you are going to want to write me or send me an email and talk about this, and that's fine. I want to have that discussion with you. But let me tell you, I feel pretty confident about this this morning. From what I see in Scripture and even what we just read, Because if I read in there that if you're lukewarm, that God is going to spit you out of his mouth. If he's spitting me out of his mouth, I don't feel like that is him receiving me unto himself. So we have a problem. We don't want to be lukewarm. Now, um, many times I I come into the church and I I stand out in the lobby on Sunday mornings. And, And let me just give you some insight into the psyche of a pastor, okay? I stand out there and I see you guys walking in, I'm shaking hands, we're smiling, we're having a good time. Uh, Some of you, I can tell you're stressed, like you carry a lot of baggage into church with you. Uh, Some of you, I know your background, I know your history, I know what you're dealing with in this moment, or maybe you're going through a situation, and I see you and I can see it in your face and I pray for you. And and others, I see you walk in and and like you've got this, this facade up, you're just putting on a show. Uh, like you're somebody that you're not. And and I just stand in the lobby and I watch all of us mingle and we come in and we smile and we shake hands and we have donuts and coffee. and, and, And here's my thought, you ready for this? I wonder how many of us are gonna spend eternity together. And I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. I'm just asking the question because what I see here is God speaking to this church in Laodicea and I'm sure all of them, part of this church, thought they were good to go. And, and God tells them, look, you're not hot, you're not cold because you're lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And I pray that's not us. I pray that we all get to spend eternity together, that we are passionate about our faith. But even in that, one of the, one of the parts of my job that I do that sometimes is an is a honor, sometimes is a curse, is funerals. See, so often we get called because somebody's passed away and they say, Pastor, can you come to a funeral? And we walk into that situation. Many times we don't know what we're walking into. But when we walk into it and it's for a saint, we celebrate. Because that's an honor to be able to do a funeral like that and and to be able to stand there. we, We many times aren't even preaching because the family's the one doing the preaching he or she loved Jesus Christ and they lived it out in their lives and it showed in everything that they did and even their friends and neighbors get up and they talk about what an amazing believer this person was, that they they lived the life of Christ out. But many times we get phone calls from people and they're like, hey, could you do a funeral for us? And we go meet with the family and I sit down, I ask things, I am probing questions and I ask things like, hey, at the end of the service, everyone's leaving, what do you want them to know? What's the one thing you want them to know about the person who, who died? And when I get things like, he liked his cats, and there's no evidence that they loved Jesus, that they had faith in Jesus, that they had a Savior. There's no evidence in their life to, to point to Jesus at all. It, it, honestly, I, I get sick to my stomach when I get ready to do those services because I don't know how to help them. It's it's not where we like to be as pastors. And I pray for you, if if you were to pass away today or tomorrow and I got that phone call, I pray that I would sit down with your family and they'd say, yes, he or she knew Jesus Christ without a doubt. Uh, Turn over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, go to verse 42. Uh, We're getting ready to do something amazing tonight. I don't know if you notice this contraption here in front of me. Uh, but we're going to do a celebration service tonight. We're doing baptisms tonight. We're going to celebrate because there's like 18 people being baptized tonight. So we're going to have a big old party in here. Yeah. But what you need to know, yeah, that's, that's something to celebrate. But what you need to know is that each of these people that are getting to the tub tonight, each one of them represents a person, a soul, who in this life have come to the realization of who Jesus is. And they've said for themselves that, yes, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he came and, and he stepped out of heaven and gave up his divinity and put on flesh and walked this earth and lived a perfect life. And he went to the cross and gave his life up as a sacrifice for sins of the world, for my sins. He paid a price that I couldn't pay myself. And not only did he die, for the forgiveness of my sins, but they stuck him in a tomb, and three days later, he rose from the grave, and not only do I, do, by receiving him as Lord and Savior, do I get forgiveness of my sins, but I, I have eternal life with him, and when they climb in the tub, they're declaring all of that, it's this, it's this symbolism that we do that says inwardly, we are declaring that Jesus Christ is our Savior, and we're dedicating our lives to him. And it's the symbolism of being buried with Christ and raised to walk in new life. And this is what we do. And if you truly understand what baptism is, it's this idea of giving up everything in life. Uh, Of trading what we have for what Jesus offers. Giving up our desires and our dreams for his See, when you go around the globe and you talk to missionaries that are working, especially in third world countries and, and countries that, that are Muslim, they'll tell you that when people come to faith, they receive Christ and they go into the tub or into the, the river or the lake or the pond or wherever they do their baptisms and they're baptized into Christ, they'll tell you that those people are giving up everything in that moment and they know it. They know it. Because they know that their family's going to turn their backs on them. They're going to be disowned, excommunicated from the community. They're going to lose their jobs because they've placed their faith in Jesus Christ. They give up everything to know Jesus Christ. And we have this thing that we do here in the States which seems really backwards to this. Like many of us, we come in and we get baptized and and we think that, okay, by being baptized, we're good to go. And then we're going to start working on some things. Like then we might give up some things. Like, I I might give up my cigarettes after I get baptized. I might stop looking at porn so much. And this is the way that we approach it. But if we truly understand baptism for what it is, it's this decision of being a disciple of Jesus Christ for the rest of our lives. We give up everything for Jesus Christ. And Jesus, talking to a group of people in John chapter 14, actually told them that they needed to weigh out the cost before they made this decision. He says, unless you get up every morning and you pick up your cross, you know what that means, right? Give up your life and take on Jesus' life. Unless you pick up your cross, you can't be his disciple. He goes on to say it this way in verse 33. He says, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Like this idea of following Jesus costs everything. You give it all up for Him. And so many of us, I think that are, are Christians who maybe are, are struggling because we're not really passionate about our faith or we haven't really fallen in love with Jesus, we hear this, we go, well, okay, I'm gonna try harder. That's what I'm gonna do. I don't want you to try harder. See, that's not the answer to this at all. John 14, 15, he goes on to say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we hear that and we go, okay, keep his commandments. I'm going to do better. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to follow his instructions. I'm going to learn every command and I'm going to to obey everything that God wants from me. I'm going to ask, "What what do you want? I'm going to do that. And it's like, we're going to try harder and we forget that the very beginning of this verse says, if you love me. See, that's the key. If you love him, you'll keep the commandments. It's not about keeping the commandments to prove that you love him. Because quite honestly, I'll just tell you from personal experience, it doesn't work that way. We don't do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. The answer is not trying harder. The answer and the solution to lukewarm living is actually falling madly in love with Jesus Christ. Having an authentic relationship with Him. This is where it all starts. And everything in life stems from this love of God, this love of Jesus, and living our lives for Him. Otherwise, if you don't have that love and you take that out of the equation, you end up with routine, you end up with ritual, and you end up with meaningless. And this is where many of us are at. And so let me ask you do we love Jesus? Well, let me ask you on a personal level, do you love Jesus? Is it a relationship to you that you've fallen in love with Jesus and you're pursuing him because of what he's done for you and who he is to you? Or is it just the idea of Jesus? You like what he brings into your life. Do you love Jesus? A couple years ago, I became a grandfather, and uh, my family is mainly just all men. I mean, it's just all boys, right? And we, out of the blue, we get this little bitty girl, a little blonde head, blue, blue-eyed girl. It's just, it's crazy to me. And ever since she was born, um, she's got me wrapped around her little finger. And I think about her all the time, And my daughter-in-law does a great job. She's sending me pictures all the time and let me talk to her on FaceTime even when we're not there and does a great job of keeping us connected. But even even with all of that, we still think about her all the time. Like we're excited about the next time she can come over. And and I'm like, hey, can can Evie come? I don't care if my son comes over, but if Evie comes over, that would be great, right? (laughs) Um, It's changed the way I think. I, I spend my time differently. Like when she comes over and she grabs me by the hand, she's like, hey, grandpa, let's go outside. I'm going outside. I don't care what's going on. I'm going outside. If she says, hey, sit down, Grandpa, read me this. I'm going to read her that. I don't care if there's a game on it. It doesn't matter. I'm going to read her whatever she wants she's going to get. I spend my time differently. I spend my money differently. You know, I'm in a store. I'm looking at something. I'm like, I think we should get this. And my wife is like, why would you buy barrettes with flowers on them? You don't even have any hair. And I'm like, no, we need these, right? Because I'm thinking of her. Now, my life is different because of this relationship. My life is no longer about me, but about the one I love. Now, that's an earthly relationship. When it comes to the most important, a spiritual relationship, one that my life centers around, one that all my decisions are centered around, My life is centered around Jesus Christ. Why? Because I love him. It's no longer about me, but about the one I love. And when you truly love in a relationship, this is how it works. We start to think differently. We start to live differently, spend our time differently, spend our money differently. Why? Not because of us, but because of the one that we love. What would happen if every person at Mountain View Fellowship fell in love with Jesus? What would happen? What would it look like if we just all out loved him with everything that we had? Uh, Take a look at Acts chapter 2 because I think this gives us a great picture of a church that was devoted solely to Jesus Christ. And, And look how they responded. And look what happens. And look how they cared for one another. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. It's an amazing passage of what happens when you have a group of people fall in love with Jesus. You can read that whole thing over and over again, and you'll always come to this, this conclusion. The Acts 2 church loved Jesus. They loved Jesus with everything they had. You could say that they were obsessed with Jesus. Selling property to help others who were in need. I mean, this, this is, to us, It's incredible. But when we think about it, we go, it makes sense, really, because these were the same people that were there. They saw him walk the earth, live a perfect lifestyle. They saw him crucified at the cross. They saw him raised from the grave. They saw him meet with people for many days afterwards before he ascended into heaven. And so because they were witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this doesn't surprise us. The way they lived makes sense to us. Because if you were there, you would do the same thing, right? If you truly knew Jesus Christ and who He was and what He's done, you would live that way as well, right? See, what would be weird is actually if we read in the passage that uh, they saw Jesus live his life perfectly, he gave his life, he rose from the grave, and then after he ascended into heaven, uh, that they came together and they built this building that had the steeple on it, and they met for one hour every week to sing songs and read a little bit of the Bible. That would be weird, because instinctively, we know that it shouldn't have a bigger impact than just one hour a week. Do we love Jesus? And if we do, it should have a bigger impact on our life than just one hour a week. Now, when you look at the early Acts church, I believe there's two elements that really are key for for how they live. The first one is their love for Jesus. They love Jesus with everything they have. But from that, and what stemmed out of that, was this love for each other. Does that sound familiar to anybody? the great commandment? Uh, Matthew chapter 22 and, and Mark chapter 12, Jesus is being asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he doesn't give them one, he gives them two. Love God and love others. That's what he said. And that's exactly what this church was doing. They were living that out. And when they live that out, everything else falls into place. It's amazing how this works. I think uh, this church, I think that a lot of churches like this, I, I think if we took a poll, I think what we'd find out is that there's a lot of people who like Jesus. I mean, we like him, we, we like what he does for us, and we like the idea of Jesus in our life and, and community, we like that idea, but do we really love Jesus? And if we're honest, we read Acts chapter 2 and we see how they interact and what happens when you love Jesus and love others, and we're like, man, I wish I had a community like that around me, but honestly, we don't think it can happen. Why not? Why not? what what stands in the way of that actually happening what keeps us from living lives that are fully dedicated to jesus christ what keeps us from doing that together you know what does we like jesus but i don't know if we really love jesus do you love jesus do you know he loves you That he has a plan for your life, he has a purpose for you, he has plans for you today, he has plans for you tomorrow. Are we even fostering that up relationship to the point that we understand that God wants to be intricately involved in everything that goes on in our lives every day of every week? Do we even know that or is he an afterthought? Is life about you or is it about the one that you love? Do you love Jesus Now, I know some of you, you're like, you know, I don't know, I maybe came to Christ and I haven't really grown that much in my walk and I'm just trying to figure out how how do you love Jesus? And if we're honest, we'd say, how do we love somebody that we can't really see, that we can't really put our hands on? How do we do that? I would just simply say, I think we fall in love with Jesus when we truly understand who he is. When we dive into the word and we start to realize who Jesus is and we start spending time with him and we acknowledge that he is the son of God, that he is the savior, that he died for our sins, I think we fall in love when we recognize where we stand without him. Like without Jesus, where would we be? Because there's no way we can save ourselves. I think we fall in love with Jesus when we start to understand how much we've been forgiven and how much he's done for us. This is where it starts. That's the motive behind it. And and as we foster that relationship, we begin to fall in love with Jesus. Churches are full of people who know all the commandments, who do all the right things, but who don't love Jesus. I would rather have a church that loved Jesus, even if they didn't know all the commandments. Because if all they knew is they just loved Jesus and they were trying to follow him I think they would fulfill those commandments without even knowing it sometimes. Now, I know this has been hard. I'm challenging you and pushing you a little bit in this idea of not just liking Jesus, but loving Jesus. And I want you to know that that I want to encourage you a little bit too. Because I do think that we have a church that we have a lot of people who love Jesus. I think we do. We're seeing it in a lot of different areas. Let me give you a couple examples. One area is life groups. I know we don't have as many life groups as we want. We've got people that are kind of on standby waiting for another life group to open up. We need more life groups, but the life groups we have, we have more life groups than we've ever had. And we're seeing some amazing God things in those life groups. We're seeing people saved, we're seeing relationships restored. We're seeing lives transformed because of what's going on in these life groups. God is moving, and it's because people love God, and they love his people. It's amazing to see what God's doing in those life groups. Uh, Another example, I brought up baptisms just a minute ago. Uh, We set out at the beginning of this year, we said, hey, we're going to be a church that's going to be passionate about pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. And we said, we're going to foster relationships up with God daily, in with each other weekly, out with somebody who doesn't know Christ, at least once a month, minimum. And we said, if we all did that, and we were actually doing that, the outcome, the desired result, the the big win from that would be baptized people baptizing people we would see you winning your friends and neighbors and family to Christ and you getting wet. That was the challenge last year, if you remember. We we challenged you to get in the tub and baptize somebody. And so at the beginning of this year, our staff sat down and we we set some goals for 2019. Uh, One of the goals that we set is we wanted to see 50 baptisms this year. And because of this idea of baptized people baptizing people, we wanted to see 40 of them baptized by somebody other than staff. So not the pastors, but you. As of the end of March, three months into this year, we had baptized 52 people, and there were 32 different people who had baptized them. Yeah. And so... We've exceeded the baptisms, and we're coming up real close to those 40 different people who had baptized, uh, other than pastors, other than staff, so we're getting really close. And tonight, I think we're going to break that. I think we're going to meet that, and we're only in May. And so I want to encourage you. I think that's a sign that you love Jesus, and because of that, you love other people. So let me answer the question quickly. Who do I want to be? I think it, it aligns with what we want for the church. We want a church full of people who are passionate about loving Jesus Christ. I think it aligns with what I want to see in my family. My my greatest desire is to have my family in an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, who just love him. Not the idea of him, not just going through the motions, but truly love Jesus Christ and out of that see everything flow out of that. What I want for the church and what I want for my kids and for, for my grandkids is also what I want for me. But see, it starts with me. Before I can ask you to do something, I have to do it. Before my kids or my grandkids are interested in it, they've got to see it in me. What I want is I want my life to mean something. I want to have an internal impact. I want to partner with Jesus in what he is already doing and just be in tune with the Holy Spirit to follow him and everything that he's doing and for that to come out of loving him, giving up my desires, giving up my rights and following it what God has for me. I want to be able to say what Jesus said that last night before he went to the cross when he was on his knees praying in the garden, it comes out of John chapter 17. He says, I brought glory to you. He's talking to God. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. I want to be able to say that. And not because, hey, I was just following the rules or I thought that's what you wanted me to do, but because I I love Jesus and I was chasing after him with everything that I have. I want to be able to say what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter four, where he says, look, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And now I'm going on for the crown of righteousness and glory, which God has for me. I want to get to the end of my life. And I want to appear before God. And I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because I followed some rules, not because it was a ritual, but when I'm dead and gone, the only thing I want said about me is that I was obsessed with, that I was passionate about, and I loved Jesus Christ with everything that I had. That's what I want to be. And I want to pray that for all of us. Would you join me in that? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now as a group of people who love you, who are passionate about you. Lord, we, we want to be your children. We want to follow you in all areas of our life, but so often we get distracted, Lord. God, help us to keep from being those lukewarm people that you talk about in Revelation 3. I pray that in this moment, uh, that if, it's, if that's us, if, if we're those people, we're just we're just here, we're, we're marking off a, a checkbox for the week. I pray that you would meet with us right where we're at, that you would open up our eyes and our hearts to be able to, to meet with you to see who you truly are, how much we've been forgiven. I pray that that would start this relationship, that we would just fall in love with you. Lord, for those of us that are, we're just trying, we just seem to be going through the routine right now, I pray that you would wake us up. That, um, that we would meet with you, pursue you, not out of, out of duty, but out of love, wanting to know you more. Uh, Lord, I pray that in all these things that you continue to mold and shape us into the people that look more and more like you so that we might be a bright light in this dark world. We pray all this brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks
0: for joining us here at Mountain View Fellowship. We'd love the chance to meet you in person. We gather each Sunday at 9 and 10.45 a.m. at 1955 Headlight Road in Strasburg, Colorado. If you aren't able to join us in person, we'll meet you right back here next week. God bless.